Hello, Mountain. It's good to be together again, and uh, welcome to everybody at each one of our campuses over at Bel Air and Edgewood here at the Mountain Road campus. I'm pretty pumped. We're going to kick off a new series today. I hope that um, it will encourage every single one of us, challenge every single one of us, uh, especially coming out of this deal we just finished up. We just finished up Awakening and I hope that you had some kind of an awakening with God, that he woke you up to something important and we have found our way to a place where we're tighter, closer, better with God than we've ever been. But now what? You know, I mean, it's one thing to find faith. It's, another, it's one thing to come home. But the question is, now what? What kind of faith? How should we live as God's people and that's why I'm excited about this series, because it's going to kind of take things naturally one step further from, okay, we woke up to God, now what? It's time for us to live bold lives. Bold lives. So many Christians, you know, I think really live kind of bland, uninteresting, just kind of blah, vanilla uh, versions of Christianity, lives that kind of blend in rather than stand out. Even when you look at a piece of paper and, and, and if you're on, well, you know, using word perfect, or word perfect, I just dated myself. If you're using word and you hit bold, you know what happens is the, the letters pop off the page, right? They don't just blend in. And so the question becomes, you know, what are God's people supposed to look like? Are we supposed to, to blend in only or are we supposed to have those times and moments where we pop off the page and where we look more like Jesus looked in his context, what, what would your life look like if you were less afraid? What if you were more courageous in the expression of your faith in God? What would happen if the world saw a bunch of gutsy believers stand up and step out unashamed to live undaunted, adventurous lives for God? Stop bending with our fears, stop blending with the world, and just, man, what if we just didn't live such weak, quiet, timid lives, and instead of going automatically to the other end and living these bombastic, obnoxious, over-the-top lives that drives everybody away, what if we did what the early church did, and that is, got so filled with God and His Spirit that we just lived boldly, if we loved boldly, if we if we were just bold in our prayers, if we were bold in the way we shaped our community, if we were bold in our faith. That's what we want to dig into over the next several weeks together and really just let God kind of challenge us. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about how since we have such great hope in God, therefore we are very bold. Does that describe you? Let's say, uh, let's say we go to the circus, and, and, and you're there to, you, you, you watch the trapeze act. You know what I'm talking about? Those guys that, that put on the tights and the sequins, and they swing around up there in the air. Imagine you see this guy. He comes out, and he's dressed apart. You know, he's got the fancy tights, and the lights are flashing and glimmering off of his sequins, right? And he prances around, he waves his hands, and then he bows as the music swells. But he never actually gets on the ladder and climbs up the pole. He just kind of waves, everybody smiles big and walks off. You'd be kind of disappointed, right? You'd be like, well, what kind of phony is this guy? He looks the part of a trapeze artist, but he's not really, 
He's just really a guy in tights, right? Or imagine uh, he does climb the skinny ladder and he gets up there on that platform and he waves big and the music swells and but he never really swings on anything. He just sort of lunges off and lands on his feet on the net below and then stands up and bows and walks off again. You still feel like, well, the guy didn't do what he's meant to do. He didn't let go and fly through the air. He didn't grab a hold of the other guy at all. He, he just, with all, all that, he's just, you know, a guy in tights dressing and bowing. And I think sometimes... Sometimes followers of Jesus, I think even in my own life, we can, we can be like that, you know. We look the part and we do some stuff that makes it look like we're kind of following Jesus, makes it look like we're obeying, makes it look like we're gutsy and trusting and living full on, but a lot of it really is maybe just kind of safe. Kind of just stuff for show, stuff with a safety net. A trapeze artist... They need to get up there and they need to swing a little bit. And then there comes that moment, you know, where they time it and they sense now's the time and they let go. And they fly through the air and maybe do a flip and then they grab a hold of that other guy. That's what a trapeze artist is meant to do. And it's really what we're meant to do in our own lives with Jesus is to let go of some of the fears and some of the comfort, some of the status quo that just sort of locks us down and keeps us tame, a force that the world never has to reckon with. To let go of some of that fear and sense the moment that God says, now's the time to be bold and to fly and then to grab a hold of whatever he puts in your hand. First of all, Jesus, but what else would God put in your hand if you really said, here I am, let me have it. I'm ready to be bold, to live a bold life. I wonder what you're doing that requires that kind of a lunge, that kind of a God-timed leap of faith where it takes your breath away and then you sense Jesus grabbing hold of you going, this is the adventure that you were meant to live when you found your way back to God. Are you sharing your faith with boldness? Are you reaching across lines to make friends and to break down barriers and walls the way the Spirit of God would prompt us if we really listened and moved in our lives with boldness? Are you that person who, who invites others into your life and makes real friends? Do you pray bold prayers? Prayers that are asking God to do huge, amazing, like incredible things? Are you doing hard things for God? Are you giving sacrificially and joyfully in a way that could only be described as bold generosity? If this whole gathering right around you now, if the whole of Mountain Church at all our campuses, if all of the body of Christ looked like you in your level of courage, if we were all as on fire as you are, what kind of church would there be? What would you do? If you weren't afraid. That's the question behind boldness. And so we're just going to say, God, rock us a little bit. Make us bold. Make us, make us be like Joshua who stood up and said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Make us like Peter and John who everyone said, shut up, quit talking about Jesus. And they're like, man, I'm very sorry, but we've got to obey God. And we care more about what Jesus thinks than what you think. And they were just bold. We've got to be more like those people in the book of Acts that 
that uh, they just said, man, I don't know what's about those guys. They just seem like ordinary people, but we can tell they've been with Jesus because when you've been with Jesus, it makes you, it makes you bolder than you would be on your own. We want to begin this whole deal today by talking about bold love. Bold love. I love what Dorothy Day said. She said, I have long since come to believe that people never mean half of what they say. And it's really best to disregard their talk and judge only their actions. Wow. What great words to remind us about Jesus who loved so boldly. Jesus was epitomized by love. Everything he did sprung out of his heart of love. And that's got to be true of us as well. So today we want to just jump in with this idea and wrestle. What if your life and mine was really marked by a kind of love that is bold? You know, um, Mountain uh, loves church planting. And a big part of our vision is to start new churches, especially in the Baltimore, D.C. region, right where God has planted us on this mission field. We love church planters, and that's why church planters are heroes for us around here. We elevate them up. And we want you to meet one today who's going to come and share the heart of this message about bold love for us today. It's a church in downtown Baltimore that... Um, we helped uh, throw some money at and some prayers at, but this guy with his, with his wife, Amber, and, and his kids, Emery and Reese, moved there to downtown Baltimore um, a couple of years ago to start this new church. It's called The Foundry, and uh, you can check out their website and learn about them. A few of our mountain people are down there, and you might remember Josh and Meredith Dew and their family are now down there full-time working with, with Scott and Carol, and that's who I want to have come today to share because these guys get it. It's like they were so loved by Jesus, they said, that's what we've got to do with everyone else. And that was their main strategy in going down into the city to start a new community of faith, a Jesus people marked by bold love. And what they've discovered is what all of us can discover is that bold love opens doors. It warms hearts. It makes friends. It gives an audience. And it makes a difference. Too many Christians today, you know, we just, it's the truth is we're not known for love at all. And so as you hear Scott come and talk about the foundry, think about your own life. Think about whether people would look at you and say, is that someone who is described by bold love? What would you have to do differently or change in your life so you could be someone who loved boldly? I'm super excited to hear from Scott. I know you'll love being with him too. Will you welcome our friends, Scott and Carol? Thanks, Scott. Thanks for Thank being you. here, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Mountain, on behalf of the Foundry, on behalf of a community of people in downtown Baltimore, I want to say thank you so sincerely and and we just had our second birthday and it's got me kind of waxing nostalgically about uh what's going on these past two years and i was reminded of this moment in the 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 pre-launch of our church and and we were going to different festivals and we do things like dog cooling stations or whatever we could to just kind of put up a logo and have conversations with people and there was this organization that we kind of had this recurring we were at everything that they were at and eventually we just kind of had this time this downtime to sort of talk and and it began, this question came up like what what is the foundry what is what is the foundry like an apartment complex or a brewery or what's that when i and when i said that we we're a church there was this immediate like you're here cooling off dogs and talking, and you're at church? Like, that just does not make any sense. And, and we continue to have this, this ongoing conversation. 
And, uh, and as we figured out and just kind of kept talking and talking about ways that we could kind of partner together and what our vision was as a church, we eventually came to this point where, where the person that was representing this other organization said to me, listen, um, I, just, I, I just don't do church. I'm not about church. Uh, I like what you do. Uh, I like who you are, but that's not me. And I remember saying to this person, I remember saying, here's my goal five years from now. You can always think that I'm nuts. You can always think that I believe a fairy tale. That the hope that which I carry into my city and into my relationships is, is just sheer mythology. But my hope and my prayer is that what you see as fruit is that five years down the road, even if you think my God is a myth, you will not be able to argue that the city is different because of how myself, my wife, my children, and the people who call the Foundry their home church love this city. That's our goal. That's why we exist. That's why we get up in the morning. That's why we go out the door. And I'm so thankful for churches like Mountain that kind of stand beside us and didn't just like say, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Um, but, but rallied around us and continue to rally around us. And, and, uh, and so this morning, what I want to think about, or to this, tonight what I want to think about, is just this idea of, of what does it mean for me to continue to love boldly, that, that it's not just an idea or a cute thing that goes on the tagline of a church, or, or something cool that gets said during a message, but that my life would really be marked by bold love. What does that look like for me? And, I, and it makes me think of a story uh, in Luke chapter 6. It makes me think of the story where, where there's a man with a withered hand that walks into the temple when Jesus is, is teaching. And, and in the midst of the teaching, in the midst of what's going on, he notices uh, that, that there's a man that comes in with, with, this, with this affliction. And at the same time, Jesus, uh, simultaneously, master of multitasking, sim- simultaneously notices that there's a group of people, some Pharisees, that are looking for this moment to kind of bust Jesus' chops because, because they've been all over him about healing on the Sabbath. They've been all over him about whether or not uh, moments like this are an opportune time to, to, to do things like heal people that have real needs because after all it's the Sabbath and you don't work on the Sabbath and this draws a great deal of drama out of, out of, out of the Pharisees and so they, they, he notices the man and, and calls the man up. You can read this in Luke chapter 6. He calls the man up to the front of the room and in verse 10 he says to them, of Luke chapter 6, stretch out your hand. And as he does so, his hand's completely restored. And at that, as, as he's transformed, one of the things that happens is that whole room of Pharisees gets furious and begins to discuss with one another the ways that they're going to hurt Jesus. The things, verse 11, that says what they might do to Jesus. What, what's amazing to me is that there's probably never been a better teacher in the history of mankind than Jesus. His words are bold. He cares deeply about words. But the foundation of his words is a bold love. A willingness to step near. A willingness to impact broken situations. Not just with his words, but with his life, with his presence. As John 1.14 says in the message translation, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's what we see in Luke chapter 6. And there's two kind of metrics I I look at here in this story. The first is that to love boldly, we've got to be present. 
See, see, it would be really easy for Jesus to talk about the affliction. It would be really Jesus, easy for Jesus to talk about the underlying causes or root words that might, that might be driving affliction such as this one. But Jesus actually does something about it. He calls the guy up and shoulder to shoulder tells him to stretch out his hand. What we see in Jesus here in this moment is the ministry of presence. Not just words, not just, not just awareness, but, but an action that, that stems out of Jesus' presence. Which is, which is such an important point for you and I. Because we live in an era where it's easier than ever before to receive and to pass out information. And one of the ways that we, we get bold love wrong is that we think that uh, the bold love is making some huge declarative declaration maybe on our social media page. Or to find out some, some obscure thing that's going on on the other side of the world and say, well, since I tweeted about it, I, I embodied presence. And awareness is a great thing. And bold words in the right context with the right heart and the right level of tact, great things. But so many times we mistake it for the end goal. And what Jesus models here in this moment is, is, is bold love that's matched by a bold presence. See, there's other Pharisees in the room, and I gotta think that they, they care about healing, they care about people. But, but Jesus is the one that's willing to stand beside the man and say, stretch out your hand. I, I, think, I think so, so much would be transformed in the lives of people if we were willing to to move beyond awareness and move toward presence. I, I think about the stories in just two short years at the Foundry and, uh, and how amazing it's been to see what's happened when a community of churches like Mountain rallies alongside a planter and says, here's a place where we're not just going to stand on the outside and go, hey, hey, good luck with that. Where, where there's churches like yourself that understand that if people drove up here from the city, you'd love them, you'd teach them, and you'd engage them. But how much more powerful if a church can be present in their neighborhood, if they can see and hang out and drink coffee and do life and experience pain in the context of other believers. It's a powerful moment. And then there's one person that got baptized this summer who comes to mind. And her whole story, the whole, the whole reason that was catalytic for her, I'd love to say it was, what well, was the power of Scott's messages? Or I went to Scott's social media page and it was just so savvy. He was so wise. But, but the, the reality was what happened in her life is that there was a group of people from our church who said, we want to serve our neighborhood. We want to serve our community. We're going to go to this particular organization. It's one that she worked with. And she began to notice that they actually cared. They actually showed up. They followed through. And they were humble and, and, and coming alongside, not with their own agenda, but with whatever this organization deemed was the win. And she was so moved by their love for this organization, by their love for her. They began to gauge just kind of relationship. And then they invited her into their home for a neighborhood group. And then they invited her to church. And she gave her life to Christ. And the apologetic was the people who were present around her in her neighborhood. I, I would not want to relive 2015 in Baltimore. The Orioles are mediocre. The Ravens at this point of recording are not good. 
And, and as you know, the, the, the uprising that, that kind of began in April and kind of continues to go on in our city is, is just a really difficult moment. It's a really difficult time. There's really difficult conversations, but, but here's what I've found. This, this recurring thing that God has put in our heart, has God, put, God has put in, in, in my heart to even share with the people in our church, is like this, this moment is why we planted a church here. Because when the body of Christ is present in these conversations and not standing on the outside going, you guys, good luck with that, transformation can occur. And in the past several months and the months that have followed a time that's just tumultuous, while we've even seen well-intended people use the, the narrative in our city to kind of juke political points or, or to get, do this gotcha kind of thing, we've been on the front lines of trying to be present and near really difficult conversations. And what that's meant for our church is that uh, we've been a, a food pantry or equippers of a food pantry. We've been coordinators and leaders of a soccer camp. Some of you guys from Mountain helped us with that. We've been grief counselors. We've been advocates. Advocates. We've been a place where police officers could come and worship and be breathed into, but also people who were working on the front lines with people who thought it was okay to, 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 to loot and to riot and are, are angry and need a place that people that will hear them. It's been so crazy to be all of those things. And, and the reality is that all came as a consequence of presence earned trust over time. As the adage goes, you can impress people from a distance, but you will only impact them up close. May we be bold with our presence, which I think ties to this second idea. It's this idea of to love boldly means that we embrace mess. We don't run from it. We embrace the tension of the mess. Jesus heals this man, and rather than fanfare and applause and like, oh, well, now we get it, this group of guys, this group of Pharisees, their conclusion is, well, we've got to hurt Jesus. We've got to do something to him. We've got to shut this guy up, or we've, we've at least got to take away his ability to heal people. We've got to do something. It's amazing to me that Jesus' willingness to have compassion only makes things harder for Jesus. It only invites in more drama. That's an important charge for you and I, because, because so many times when we choose compassion we are also choosing discomfort. And as I read the life of Jesus, he, he, does, he does this amazing thing where he has boundaries, he rests, he sleeps, he laughs, he hangs out with the disciples, but, but comfort isn't really his thing. And if you want to boldly love like Jesus has boldly loved you, then, then comfort is not your first charge. Messy people, messy moments seem to continually find Jesus. And Jesus always embraces the tension of the mess. To, to boldly love means that we will boldly choose discomfort. That we'll boldly step near situations that don't, that don't have the easy answers or, 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 or require listening ears or sometimes just being so bold as to say, I don't know, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to be here tomorrow and I'm going to listen tomorrow. I think about a couple people in our community, people that you've equipped to go and embrace the messy in our city. 
Uh, I, I think about Holly, and, 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 and she started an organization called Cups. And, and here's the reality of starting any organization that deals with things that Holly's dealing with, like generational poverty and, and, and drug trade and, and equipping people to choose something um, that's dignity-based, like to choose, to choose an employment that, that's not going to get them thrown in jail. Here's the reality is that it sounds good on paper and it sounds warm and fuzzy and lots of people kind of get behind it. But then when you open up those doors and you invite people to live out a different story and that brushes up against the tension of, of their here and now. And so every, every day there's, there's like this ebb and flow of, of seeing this amazing transformation in the lives of people but also seeing people experience setbacks seeing people experience pain, to see just the circumstances of the neighborhood sometimes, sometimes creep in, to see people try and wrestle with that tension of, of, of how God has created them to be, but here's what I'm dealing with right now. And, and when this decision to love boldly has only moved her closer to mess, it hasn't wrapped up every, every situation in a pretty little bow. I, I also think about um, I also think about my really good friends who, who 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 really moved to Baltimore with the intention of wanting to be a reconciling people. They they wanted to step into situations where where there was where there was just a need for reconciliation on their block, and they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed for a place that deals with just the the generational clashes of Baltimore of new and old and and rich and poor and and young and old and, and, and different, you know, ethnic groups that kind of all live in close proximity. And recently they've experienced a great deal of transformation and opportunity on their block. But the, the thing that happened, the catalytic moment, was someone being murdered just down the street. And that violence spilling over into their street. It wasn't a comfortable set of circumstances. It came as a result of tension. I, I even think about um, the people in our life that, uh, that just in their own, they don't have all the answers. They, they don't know the answer to everything. I just think about one friend in particular who's, who's part of a neighborhood group. She opens her home every week and she's going through one of the, the most difficult seasons of her life. And, and her willingness to be vulnerable and open and not have all the answers is probably one of the, the reasons people keep coming back. Because for them, life is just as messy. What next step would it take for bold love to be the hallmark of your life? To love boldly in your workplace in your family, in your neighborhood. What next step might that take? As 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. May we boldly love in Jesus' name because he has loved us so boldly. Let's pray together. God, would you help us with this? Thank you that you have shown us how to love boldly by boldly loving us. God, help us to, to know where to be present. Help us to know where everyone else is, is going out, God, where we need to go in and where we need to embrace mess. Thank you that you're patient with us. 
Thank you, God, that you'll show us which path to take as we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all go ahead and stand together.